Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Approaching Starbase One, sir. Captain Bridge, we've arrived at Starbase One. Acknowledge number one. I'm Admiral Aaron, and welcome to Starbase One Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the MMO Star Trek Online. All right, time to introduce my co-hosts. I'm here with... Dave, a.k.a. Luke Critter. Tom. Hi, I'm Cully, and we will shortly be joined by Steve. All right, now we've introduced the away team, and I briefed them on the lack of escape pods aboard my ship... We shall pick up from where we left off in last week's episodes and continue our season reviews. If this is your first time tuning into our subspace signal, you may want to download episode one and catch up. So who would like to start me off with season 11, New Dawn? Ah, the dawn of the Terran Empire. Exactly. What a, an interesting experience. And this was their, their season in which they tried to... Uh, um, they they wanted to reintroduce like they kind of pitched it as the heavy explorations as far as I remember with the the feature episodes like Sunrise and Stormbound. Yeah, this is when they started the arc off because um, basically they redid the Cardassian story arc, give it a bit of love. And as far as I'm aware, was season eleven the season where they revamped DS Nine? Uh, yeah. Yeah, which they've revamped again since. But yeah, this is when they revamped DS9, yeah. It was also the um, season that launched Admiralty as a new system. Admiralty, for those of you who are new to Star Trek Online, allows you to use ships that you've acquired throughout your entire growth as your character develops, and you can now send them out on specific missions to gain specific rewards. Um, Every Admiralty ship has a certain level of tier, rarity, stats, special abilities, and maintenance. And by using those and uh, reaching target numbers, you're able to generate new missions and uh, rewards for your alt. Well, the interesting thing about Admiralty and uh, what I enjoyed was I I used it heavily when leveling um, other tunes to get them from like 52 and above. Um, when When I set up new tunes, I would use the Admiralty system because it was actually, I, I found a very quick leveling technique. Completely agree. Uh, it was one of the faster methodologies for, for raising your character's level. And it was a pretty good source of things like the lithium and other uh, rewards to help make your character stronger. When the specialist point system was big, I actually used a lot of the United Federation of Planets uh, Admiralties. Uh, but generally, later on, I, I went with the the ones that gave you the Dilithium ore under the Ferengi. Yeah, this this was also the system where we got um, we got ship slots and inventory slots and all that gifted to us. 
uh, which you now have to pay, what are they now, 400, 200, 400, something like that in the C store. Um, and we also got the T5 Excelsior refit, the T5 Maruda refit. And, um, we got a load of stuff in this one, absolute load of stuff. And isn't, I think this is when the Jupiter carrier dropped, according to my notes, it is anyway. It was also a really good time for new players as well because they started lowering the costs of dilithium purchases for T1 through T5 ships. Um, the price drop was about 25 to 30% in some cases. Yeah, this is also when um, we had the Terran uniforms. So all of a sudden, an awful lot of people were wearing hot pants. Hey, that's Space Barbie for you, and those hot pants are sexy. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing how many people wear them on Rise out rather than wear a bikini or something like that. Ah, just give me hot pants on, I'm fine. Hot pants and hot weather. That's what they're built for. Exactly. Uh, which is a nice segue because in this one we've got Sunrise. Uh, now, for those of you who are TNG fans, you'll obviously realise that Sunrise and Stormbound and Time and Tide and all that tied in to the Tox Utot, uh, which was Vash and Picard. Um, when Q was like playing Cupid, basically, and trying to get them together. So this was a nice, it, that was a nice way that they tied that into the episode. And then, you know, spoiler alert, folks, if you haven't played it, but the reason that Picard finds the Toxu Tot is because he's explained in them episodes. Exactly. And I kind of, I really like the... Um... The unexplored system they used on this map, I with the the purples and the blues and that gorgeous sun, and we see tons of screenshots uh, from sunrise still to this date. Because it, it's a really gorgeous system, just to sit there and have your ship there, take multitude of pictures and screenshots for artwork. Yeah, the blue behind your ship, the blue, the blue sun behind your ship. There's an awful lot of beauty shops. I've got that blue sun in. Um, it used to be people used to do it in the Dyson sphere because it's well lit. But now they're going for the uh, deep and meaningful blue sun. Exactly. And what did you guys think of the story of uh, Sunrise? I, I found it interesting. I, I, I felt like um, a little bit of a Doctor Who tie-in with Caldano. I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, I love the callbacks, and, and particularly as the Tholians show up halfway through it. Yeah, I liked it as well. I liked the way they tied it in. Well, they tied it into TNG and they tied it into Enterprise because they, they did a line about the fact that his ship's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And then, obviously, at the end, uh, well, he, when he, you know, again, spoilers, when he dies, they reference the Enterprise episode. So they, they tie, like, you know, they pull a few strings to get them stories to work and they do it really well. And the actual stories are good to play as well. And, um, you know, who doesn't like shooting Tholians? Everyone loves Tholians. <laughs> exactly. And um, that led us into Stormbound. What did everyone think of Stormbound? The whole the whole concept of Storm Sunrise, Stormbound, Time and Tide. It's the actual arc was really good. It was really well executed. He, he played into it. The missions were just the right length. They weren't too long. Um, so you lost the interest in them. Um, the storyboard was good. There was the right amount of of text in relation to actually what you was doing. Um, and I got to admit, the first time we boomed onto the Thalian ship, and you had to like find the bridge. I was thinking, I've gone wrong somewhere here because I can't find the bridge. 
Yeah. <laughs> For those who um, are lucky enough to own one of the Tholian uh, ships in game, the bridge is an identical copy of that. Uh, but what was interesting, you get also get the passageways and the tunnels to get there, which sometimes I, I totally agree. I got lost on it. Got turned around very easily. Have you played these, Tom? Uh, I have, yeah, on the uh, the console version, which uh, there isn't end. Well, there's no difference, like at all, uh, and they look as pretty, even though as pretty because it's always on uh, full ultra settings. Yeah, that's the advantage with the console. You haven't got to you haven't got to tweak things. Yeah, so all the effects are on, and you can't turn them off. I mean that that goes back to the beauty shots. I mean it's like. My laptop's like four, four and a half years old now, so if I take a beauty shot and then someone takes another beauty shot of exactly the same bridge in exactly the same place with an up-to-date computer, you realise how old my computer is. <laughs> yeah, I think on PC, is it, lighting, is it the lighting system 2 or something that you can toggle on and off, which changes all the lighting effects in-game? Let's talk a little bit about the rewards from the missions. Um, Sunrise, in particular, offered one of the most popular phaser sets um, uh, available in the game. We're talking about the quantum phase uh, system. So a converter, quantum phase beam, or dual heavy cannons, and a uh, dual phaser beam bank reward as well. Um, I've used that set now almost continuously on virtually every alt I've built out. It's fantastic. So you find that this one's better than um, some of the other ones, like the the ones that you get through the. Uh, shoot, I'm drawing a blank here. The uh, the reputation systems. You find these this one is better than the reputation systems. Um, better is a, it's more of a personal choice. Um, one, it's built into the game. Uh, it doesn't take an extra step to develop. Two, it's an easy uh, mission to repeat to be able to get these items. And it's part of almost every phaser build that I put out on market now. Interesting. That's a nice tip and all if you think about it, because anyone who's like new to the game and trying to build up uh, without spending too much money, you can just repeatedly run this mission. And you can you can keep your ship out. And then just wait for the upgrade weekends and upgrade them to gold. Very true. Yeah, you just need your consoles then. So what did you think of the um, the new PvE missions they added to this thing? Because we had a Sultan Terror at Nuran Counterpoint. Well, the thing about the PvE missions, um, I, I have a hard time with the Assault on Tarak Nor. Uh, specifically, when you get to a certain point, it's because it's like when you have to punch in like a certain code with the consoles. I find a lot of people don't know the code or what to do, and it's just we end up just shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. <laughs> it's done. I'll have to, I have to agree with Ed Malaren on that one. Um, I find myself every time that I get that mission, whether I do it through a random TFO or I choose it with a group, um, I always get to that point and think to myself, you know what, I'm going to learn that code for the next time we play this. And I never do. So like Admiral Aaron, we send it, spend the t most of our time just shooting the opponents until we get through it. The, the other thing with Assault on Sarah Noor is um, if you put into the chat box, say you're running it with like, you know, not with your fleet, but with pugs. If you put in the chat box, I'll do the consoles, and someone doesn't read the chat box, you can be hot like on the third console, and then someone does the wrong console, and you've got to start all over again. Yeah, completely agree about that. Um, I almost give up trying to do it, 
but uh, as I said, I, I, I actually don't know the proper order in which to do them. I can never sort of remember off the top of my head and like uh, someone has to sort of like Google it to, to get the right one. Oh, I used to have that written down somewhere and I haven't got it to hand because someone in my fleet told me what it was. Sorry, folks. I'll, um, I'll try and find out what these talk. But um, I did enjoy the other one that they had uh, added with this season. Um, the second uh, one was the Counterpoint episode, which is the exterior fight around um, Deep Space Nine and its counterpart, Tarek Nor, which appears in our universe. Um, interesting exterior battle, nice levels to progress through to finish it off. And yet again, one of the most annoying uh, voiceovers that gets repeated over and over. <laughs> Might be a nice idea to, if we can trim that voiceover piece into the episode here. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Uh, yeah, the counterpoint one, I, I enjoyed it, but I don't didn't enjoy exactly what you said. The repeated hails from Admiral Lita. Just, it was like one too many. It'd be like, and if you got a team, would constantly knock her down. Sometimes you would get like she would start her sentence and then she would be like she would be there talking about like recharging again and it's just like a weird sentence. <laughs> As opponents go, uh, the Terrans are quite effective at knocking down your shields, so it uh, you have to learn to adjust how you play and new tactics were needed to be able to make it through this particular episode. Exactly. What did you think, Tom? The uh, the counterpoint. Uh, I've not played much of uh, uh, those ones on sort of console since getting back into it. Yet I'm just currently focusing going through the actual uh, missions themselves. But I have seen some it through uh, like content that they've uploaded and stuff over over time. Now, one of the things I I enjoyed about the New Dawn season was when we had the time and. Uh, the tide, the time and tide episode, and which we got new Kittimer. Um, that system to me was one of the most gorgeous systems. Whether it was the space map and the ground map, um, but just like the ability when you got to the ends of the hallway of the subspace station was just amazing. Like the the pictures you could take with the planet in the background with the the rings, it was just oh to die for in terms of the way it looked. And speaking of things that uh, look, didn't we get? Wasn't the Badlands like introduced in this season? Indeed, it was a new battle zone in the Badlands, fighting against um, Terran incursion. Um, it's a regularly used battlefield, a battle zone, I should say. It's always active with players, even to this day. I think some of that activity actually comes from the Endeavor system because. You often get um, Terrans to fight, so the Badlands is the quickest one to get to and the easiest one to um, kill Terrans in space. Oh, completely. It's it's spectacular. One other thing about that came out halfway through this season, too, was the addition of visual slots for your primary space gear, which I thought was fantastic, and the introduction of vanity shields. The Borg still remains my favourite out of all of them. I like the platinum one. Mm, too great for me. <laughs> Actually, the, the the four most recent promo vanity shields all have certain you know value to them. Um, I was very impressed with 
the pink vanity shield. Um, the um, trying to remember all the names now. Uh, platinum looks cool on a lot of ships, but the new uh, alliance shields very cool. Um, uh, they look. I have yet to see a ship they look bad on. Yeah, my Romulan's rocking the um, the gold vanity shield. So that looks really good on a, on a skimmer. Yeah, and that's the thing uh, with the the season eleven point five update with the updates to the visual slots. Like that was a brilliant idea because sometimes I like using a different console for my my warp drives and having that ability to be like, well, I don't like the visual on that console, so I'm going to slot in a different visual. I think that was a stroke of genius on behalf of Cryptic. Yeah, and the other thing we got in eleven point five was Agents of Yesterday. <laughs> so all the TOS fans finally got a bit of love. Uh, the Constitutions, uh, all the TOS era ships came into game. Uh, they had multiple skins if you bought the pack, so you could have them in the TOS style or you could have them in the, in the modern style. Uh, we got to time travel. We got to like go down to the planet where you know we fought the big big giants aliens there was there was i really really enjoyed the agents of yesterday really enjoyed it i did as well until the ending it did seem a little abrupt suddenly you're dumped into the future after completing all of these episodes but i will say some of the best ship designs i've seen released in a single a launch in the game ever uh being an old fasa fan of that tabletop game where we used to have custom designed ships that uh, of all different types and capabilities we saw a lot of that resonate in the designs that uh, cryptic released during that period particularly the heavy battle cruiser yeah i um i bought the pack so i've got all the ships uh, and i've got um i've got an officer who's you know spock's my first officer hologram spock's my first officer and i've got montgomery as my engineer you know sulu's my pilot I've, I've got them all on the bridge. Yeah, me too. I think one of the episodes that really concreted it with me, what I wanted as my endgame ship was the Terminal Expanse episode during the Agents of Yesterday. And it was just, I was like, I, at that point, I was like, I have to get the Enterprise J. I've always loved it. And I was like, I will get it one day and I will start saving up to buy it on the exchange. And I kind of started saving around this time so I could get it. Okay, it's a great ship as long as you don't want to move. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I actually got it from a lockbox. Is it like one calendar year to turn around? Yeah, then that's on a good day. <laughs> Even if you put turn help on it and you put skills in to turn and you buy consoles to help you turn, and it still takes ages. So there's no way you could put anything else but beams on that thing because, you know, any anything that's got a slight bit of speed, if you put cannons on it, you're not going to hit them. Exactly. I, I'm I'm. I'm uh, a beam and a torpedo build for it. Yeah, I've got a wide-angle torpedo um, and and beams. I think if I were to drop my build, Blue Critter would probably like faint. <laughs> I got to be honest, guys. I'm not a. I don't chase DPS. Um, I just like to play what feels right on a particular ship. So yes, all my ships have to have a torpedo. All my ships do have beam arrays, unless it's a raider or something. But um, yeah, I, I'm not too concerned. If you're having fun with your build, continue to have fun. Yeah, I don't. I have literally no idea what my DPS score is. I just know that I'm going to a mission and I can complete the mission. So you know, and if I go into TFOs, no one's complaining at me because I'm not pulling my weight. So 
you know. I mean, you've got some people on, especially tax, then they've got the cannons and all that. And basically, you've sold it up to your target and they've already obliterated it. So you know, there's enough of them in game to, to not have to worry about it. Yeah, I, I have. I have on one of my characters tried going for DPS. I've got my own target of trying to hit 100,000. So far, I've managed to get up to 87.7 thousand. So also during that period, they also released uh, the 31st Century Temporal Ship Bundle, which also, I think, these are spectacularly good performing ships. I just wish they looked a little more like a Star uh, a Federation vessel, but... Um, that includes the uh, Kronos class temporal dreadnought, uh, the eternal class, uh, eternal class temporal multi-mission science vessel, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce this the Ouroboros temporal raider, which all great ships. <laughs> you did attempt. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. I decided that same sentence. I'm not going to attempt. Actually, the eternal, the eternal is one of the best science vessels in game. So if 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 you're a sci and you can get the eternal, it's it's that one hell of a sci ship. Oh, completely agree. Completely agree. Um, one of my, uh, one, I think it was the third alt I created in the game is a dedicated science uh, captain, but she gets all of the temporal ships. So that's how I broke it up in my collection. And um, I keep coming back to that ship uh, when I need to have a little more firepower and a little more uh, creativity with my science magic. Also for TOS fans, we got the Daedalus, which was the original concept ship. Uh, which you know they did homage to in TNG, but they they put it in game, which is um, sitting TNG. It's a hospital ship in TNG, isn't it? Yeah, it's a medical vessel. But yeah, there's some uh, there's some good ships in that pack, and you can get them separate anyway, so you don't you know you don't have to buy the pack. But um, the seating layouts and the abilities of the Eternal class for a little ship, it it's done a lot of damage. We did. Um, well, what did we do the other week? Oh, that was it. We did the Borg mission, the TFO. We did the three of them, and three of us were in Eternals. One was in the the Raider ship that can't be pronounced because um, I'm not going to try. And one was in a one was in a Defiant class, and uh, basically all we did we just held everything, and the, the escorts just went around blowing stuff up, and we just did all the holding and all that. So, really good ship. Now, one thing with Agents of Yesterday is this too came in two parts. Um, it got its own point five, but it's actually named. So this was Artifacts. But between those two releases was when we actually had the console release. Because Agents of Yesterday was released in July of 2016. Consoles got their release in September. And then they eventually got... Um, Agents of Yesterday in February of 2017, because they're always that little bit further behind. So when we got the second part of Artifacts, that was the first major release we'd had, and we could see how far the difference was between PC and console. Yeah. What I liked about the Artifacts was the the updated to the uh, the fleet holdings adding K13. I spent so much time at K13, I loved it. <laughs> I've hardly spent any time there at all. I would like K13. The, the one that I don't like, the one that I spend the least amount of time at is DS9. Really? Really? Yeah, it's the one I'll spend the least amount of time at. I go there if I have to pick someone up, or I have to complete a mission, but I don't stay there. It's... Um... It's a major hub for me, anyways, for uh, whether I'm playing KDF-aligned or Fed-aligned. 
Um, it's just because everything is so easily accessible in that one little area, particularly since the more recent revamp. Absolutely. Kai Seven's quite easy to get around and all. I think the one I spend the least amount of time in Fleet Holdings is the um, the Dilithium mine. I'm not a big fan of that one. I don't. I don't spend. I don't. I'm trying to think when the last time I went to my Dilithium Fleet mine. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a f- several years since I probably hit mine last as well. Yeah, there's not much there now that in the current game meta that's worthwhile picking up in terms of consoles or anything like that. Although I will admit, we used to have fleet events on our uh, mining station because of a large space upstairs. The thing is, it used to be nice if you were really desperate for Dilithium to sort of go and do the little mining mini game. But the problem now is there are so many ways you can get Dilithium with just standard play that that mining event is just absolutely useless for players now. Yeah, I don't think I've actually hit any sort of like dilithium places since I started on console. Because I just found, oh, they've changed this and got all these different other ways of getting dilithium. It's like, like you said, there's like no point going back to those other places. Exactly. And one final thing is there's a, there's a lot of a good voice acting in this season. Like, we, they got Walter Cronkite. Oh my god, I miss I pronounce his name. They got um Chekhov. <laughs> and Walter they got Koenig. Yeah, Koenig. And <laughs> sorry, you're gonna have a lot of editing this episode. My brain is not firing. I'm leaving it this all morning. in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm evil that way. Oh man. They had they had a lot of voice talent this season with Chekhov, and they got Christopher Duhan on as well. So there's a lot of brilliance. Um, like you just listen and just oh melts your heart. But uh, moving on to like season 12. Now, season 12 is a love hate relationship with me. And it's primarily because it messed me up personally with my fa- one of my, my, for- my fourth uh, foundry mission. And it was because I was naming my fourth foundry mission Reckoning. And then I, I think I announced it. And then they came out and announced it like a week later. And I was like, oh, I have to change my foundry mission name. What, what what did you have to change it from? Uh, what I had to change it well it was originally Reckoning, and then I ended up with Invictus. Right. Oh, okay. Because I played Invictus, I remember that. Yeah. So Invictus's original title was Reckoning. I think I might have actually played it under both names actually. Because didn't that one get um, Spotlit? Uh no. Uh, Starbase Invictus did, which was. Um, All right. Starbase Invictus was the so there was two original concepts I had. Um, I originally made Starbase Invictus a long time ago, and it was supposed to be released as a Sholso Zone just after I released Invictus. Um, unfortunately, every time I tested it, and this is when we were having like major problems in the foundry and the teaming wasn't working, and it just it I just said, you know what? I pulled the plug and I pulled Starbase Invictus, um, and I I stopped building it and I left it alone, and I didn't build Starbase Invictus until I think a year before Foundry got kind of a a sunset there. And that's when I I rebuilt Starbase Invictus and I kind of came up with an idea how to get around some of the bugs. And that was the one that got spotlit. So I'm kind of happy I did that because the first version was a little rough. Did I teach you a favor then? Yeah, they did me a favor. (laughs) Right. This also introduced us to the Lucari and the Zinkefi. Uh, when we got Signs of Portents, Survivor, and the PVE Q missions were Gravity Kills 
and the Senkashi front. I'm personally not a fan of Gravity Kills. I don't mind the Senkashi front, but I, I don't like Gravity Kills that much. Gravity Kills is when you definitely want a fast ship. When you've got a tank, you just can't move, and you can see you going, it's like, keep going, keep going, and you can guarantee most of the time, you never get to the button that says warp out in time. No, and I'm, I'm an engineer, so most of my ships are doing that. Exactly, so, <laughs> me too. You know, and all the all the little escorts are zipping past me, and I'm going, anyone, give me a tow, you know? <laughs> track to beam anyone, no, not to the enemy ship, to me! It's it's funny, they introduced these new mechanics in the TFOs, um, uh, the space cue gravity kills, of course you're dealing with a hypermass, and uh, very quickly many many of us got sucked into the black hole for all intents and purposes, but it forced you to come up with new tactics, and um, I personally love using um, uh, tractor beam repulsors and pushing the Zen Cathy into the black hole, which is a lot of fun. Zenkathy Front, though, requires you to be much more oriented as a team player, working together as groups so that you can effectively stop the protomatter bombs. But both of them are still actively played to this day, and uh, and people still curse both of those for that reason. <laughs> yeah, when it was up in the, um, the new system where you have to play certain missions to get certain things, if that pops up, I'm like, yeah, I'll leave that today. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of people do. It's a gorgeous map, though, Gravity Kills. Yeah. Like, stunning. Absolutely stunning. But it's so hard to play. Yeah, especially at the end where you've got to kill um, the Dreadnought. That's like, if, if everyone's not on the same play sheet, you ain't going to do it. Yeah, and the problem is, is when someone runs with repulsors and pushes it too far in, then you everybody just keeps dying. There's always one problematic person that goes in with those. Yeah, we had, <laughs> a week ago it was in. You had to do it in the in the in the rep system, and so we ran it. And the one we had two sciences in our team, and the one guy dropped the gravity well at the same time as the other guy kicked his repulsors in. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, it. it it's funny though. Um, you keep putting it in your chat log. You know, target the cruiser first. Don't use a gravity well on him. Uh, but people still manage to drop the ball on in every time we play. But it's part of the challenge of playing with uh, other puggers. Yeah. What did we think of the the space battle zone? I thought this was a fail, unfortunately. I completely agree. Uh, I only go there when I have to kill a Zen Cathy ship, to be perfectly honest, uh, for the reputation. The games that are there just really didn't make a lot of sense why they were there. Um, each of the different sections of the battle zone didn't make sense. And unfortunately, upon release, it was buggy as hell. People weren't getting rewarded or weren't counting their kills. It was a, it was a major pain in the ass. Yeah, I'm the same. If I've got to kill... I don't know, 20 Zen Cafe ships or something. I'll go in and kill 20 Zen Cafe ships and go. I don't, I don't stay. Yeah, you can tell that the people there are just doing that because they don't bother doing all the little objectives. They're literally just killing crap and then they disappear. And the, and the rewards were pretty limited too. So it was a lot of effort for very little uh, uh, payment in a sense. So what about the Lucari reputation system then? Well, I've got mine to tier 6 on my main character. Um, tier five on a few alts, but apart from that, I can't actually think of any gear that I've actually got from that rep system. Uh, the Lucari shields are pretty, pretty.
pretty interesting. Uh, nice visual effect on them. But uh, yeah, I haven't. I don't actually use this reputation other than finishing it um, for any of equipment on any of my alts. Yeah, so I mean, I finished it. Um, I got the ground set, and that's it. But I don't. I haven't got the ground set equipped on on any of my on my officers. So yeah, it's just seen in the bank basically. Have you done this, Tom? I've not actually done many sort of reputation stuff apart from discovery. Wow. What I did like that came out was the Lakari science vessel. Now I wasn't a big fan of the one that's like a triangle, like shaped like a Dorito. <laughs> well, no, I've never thought of it as a Dorito, but now going forward, I know I'm going to. <laughs> I wanted the flying saucer because it just looks so cool. And I think this was the one that we were like voting for, right? Yeah. yeah. I was so upset when the flying saucer didn't get it. But it did eventually come, though. It really? did. It did. I think that's the one I fly. Because the Kanam class, I think it's the NCAM class scout ship. Oh, it's just so much fun to fly a flying saucer. And I love the fact that they, they gave it like multicolored edges. Like, come on, it's a UFO. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's definitely out of 57. <laughs> yep. So take us into 13 then. Well, 13, 13 Escalation. Interesting. So this one was the season that was launched uh, April 25th to 2017 for PC. And then it came to console two months later in June. Very interesting. It had uh, uh, continues the Lakari storyline with new episodes like Mirror and Smoke. And additionally, it had a reputation system around the competitive game mode called War Games. It was an interesting system and it had a lot to it. What does everybody think about season 13? I've never been much of a fan of PvP in general, and that's probably a topic for an entire episode sometime down the road. But it did introduce some interesting uh, game mechanics and new space gear, which uh, for a lot of players today still remain part of um, a good essential build. When we're talking about things like the impulse engines that were released, um, even the shields, um, a lot of people enjoy using those. I enjoyed the competitive war games when it first came out, but for the most part, I don't tend to play it these days. No, and I would also say that this particular season is the season where you see the least ships in-game from. When they first came out, you've seen Zindi ships all over the place. It, the only one that I really see now is the Aquatic. Um, I don't tend to see many of the other ships from this. So yeah, it's... Good intentions, but I don't. I think it was mainly tidying up thirteen more than impacting anything on the on a major scale. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I, I think one of the um, aspects of the uh, reputation system for this release um, was that it rewarded you with items you would never keep or um, or use, and they were all uh, designed to accentuate your combat in a PvP scenario in one of their missions. It's very limiting; you can only use it in a certain area and uh, pretty much fell by the wayside where people were junking whatever they were being rewarded. But one thing I will say is that one of the ships, even though they didn't release many, was the Reliant Advance Light Cruiser. I really liked the way they revamped it. I thought it was nice. To be honest, out of Season 13, I think Season 13.5, I was impressed with most with the Endeavor system, which we've sort of briefly talked about. Getting to play missions and stuff that we don't tend to do has actually been a good way to get so many people back into doing lots of areas of the games where it was just sort of lacking, especially if you wanted to do missions. Exactly. 
Well, that takes us into the next season, season 14. Um, uh, season 14 uh, introduced a bunch of new things to the game, including the Miracle Worker um, primary specialization and the Miracle Working Miracle Worker class starships. The primary specialization Miracle Worker ships offered us a whole new series of designs of some really heavy-duty starships. But I love the the randomness of the Miracle Worker system. Uh, it gives you up to five options of, of an additional ability that you can do. Um, based on the abilities you use on your starship. Um, it took a little bit of getting used to, but it was pretty interesting in what you could achieve with that. Um, Miracle Worker ships, you still see them in play in the game, um, even today. The other aspect of this is the introduction of the Drenar Colony Fleet Holding, which has some amazing new um, TFOs that you can participate with, including uh, Drenar Beach Assault. and um, you, where you could earn uh, materials to help build your colony. Um, several new chat channels were created specifically just to run these events on your particular colony. And one of these things are the battery provisions, which are an absolute nightmare. You can guarantee all the other provisions that you get for this colony world, you get quite a bit of, but the battery provisions, they're just a nightmare to get hold of, and there's only you can do the little mini things in the thing and you can get a small amount per hour or whatever the cooldown is. But there's only like one mission in space and I think one in ground, which involves that mission that you're just talking about, where you get a random amount of any of the provisions. It's just like, can't we just choose which one we want, please? That, that will certainly would have been nicer. But um, if you do the ground assault with up to 20 players, um, it was very easy to generate large quantities of everything that you needed to be able to move forward in it. The other aspect of this release, um, before we go on to the next season, um, they released a standalone episode which was kind of connected with Jordi LaForge and Beyond the Nexus. Anyone got some thoughts about this episode? I think the fact it's got my least favorite Star Trek character in. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good episode. I did, I did enjoy it. I just wish they hadn't done it with Jordi LaForge. <laughs> oh, I liked it. Geordie was in it. Yeah, I was a bit surprised actually when I uh, played it because I had it. I completed it last week, the week before, on console, and I was a bit surprised that I was like, "Oh, it's uh, Geordie. Hello." I just like the blue thing that floated around the bridge, attacking you. Kajbur. Ah, <laughs> uh, so that brings us on to the the victory is life, and obviously there's like a, so much information out there for each season. But victory of life was a huge expansion for Star Trek Online, and it primarily focused on DS9 and the Gamma Quadrant. Yeah. What did you guys think of victory is life? Well, victory of life was one of the sort of bigger updates that we got because. Not only did we get the new playable faction, we got the level cap increased to 65. We got, finally, playable Cardassians, which people have been asking for for a very long time. We also got more of a Gamma Quadrant arc, which sort of led on to stuff from Deep Space Nine, as you mentioned. We had the Gamma Quadrant Battle Zone, which was completely new as well, as well as the usual sort of reputation stuff, and of course, one thing which got started many times in multiple years was the Deep Space Nine revamp, which was a huge improvement. So much better than it had been before. Absolutely gorgeous. 
Yeah, and of course, with the new playable faction, one of the things which was very different to some of the previous sub-factions that we've had is the fact that you started at level 60, because of course with Jemadar, you're created. They sort of have this sort of genetic memory and everything else that they don't have to learn like other humanoids. So of course, there wasn't that sort of starting level at level one as we'd normally see. So of course, there's that sort of big jump with just that sort of stuff to begin with. And there was a lot of voice acting added to this. You had Oro Kork, Kira, Martok, Garrick, Julian, Nog, you name it, they were in there. They went heavy, heavy on the voice acting for this expansion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll run them down for you. You got Rene Abishunwar, uh, Armin Shimmerman, Nada Vista, JJ Hertzler, Andrew Robinson, Alexander Siddig, Aaron Eisenberg, Jeffrey Coombs, Chase Masterson, Max Grodenshard, Bumper Robinson, and Solomon Jens, all in this one. That must have been a crowded sound booth. <laughs> yeah, I think the only time that we had more voice actors might have been um, the Voyager one, because I think when we had the Delta Quadrant, there was more voice actors for that, but only just, unless I'm mistaken. And there was a ton of game mechanic changes to the release as well. Uh, at the starting point, um, Romulans would gain access to the ships of the faction that they chose to join. So suddenly, um, your your primary faction also gained new ships from Romulans. So suddenly, you could have a Starfleet captain flying a Romulan ship, or vice versa, um, over on the Klingons. So it was it really expanded the opportunities and op uh, different types of ships players could have access to. And you got an awful lot more Admiralty ships as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, suddenly the Klingons had enough science ships. So who's got a Jemadar out of Eula? I have one. I have multiple. I have one. I've got three. <laughs> <laughs> you liked it that much, eh? Got one on each class, although me tactical is languishing. I haven't played with tactical for a long time, but me Sai... He's in the, the Jem'Hadar carrier, um, and my engine there is in the um, the heavy cruiser. So, and I, I love I love uh, Bill and Ben following me around because they come in really handy. They do. And I've got one which is aligned to the Federation, and one that's aligned to the Klingons. We should also mention that if you bought the um, Cardassian ships, it unlocked the spirals. Oh yeah, that that was a nice feature. Suddenly, they you every ship came with a spiral way or. Spiral wave disruptors, and they added it to the store at the same time. Yeah, so I think it was about a month after this. I was I was doing a, a mission, and there was a guy in there in a Cardassian trade science dreadnought, and he had yellow beams. And I, and I DM'd him and I says, "What the hell are them?" And he and he told me what they were. He says, "Like by the ship, it unlocks the basic one, but then it frees them up." And I think they're thirty thousand polyphium each or something like that. They were pricey. Yeah. So if you wanted to go, you know, four, four, four back, that's a lot of dilithium. And then you've got to upgrade them. One other side note, um, facial animations on the characters in the game improved dramatically. And I, I believe there was a new person on the cryptic team at that time, but Garrick's facial emotions were spot on. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Literally, they got Garrick down to a T. They really, really did. Very nice. I, I very much enjoyed all the new facial updates. Like I, it, it just and all the new emotes they added from this point forward as well. 
Yeah, Garak is my, definitely my favourite DS9 character from the TV series. So to see him in-game and to see him being as many sin as ever was just brilliant. One more note on, on the, the missions. The missions were pretty cool. Um, I wish there were more, but it was an intense release. But the one that stood out for me was Quark's Lucky 7. Oh, yes. Being able to play as Quark. Well, not just Quark either. It was all the different characters. You just got to play each and every one of them to see what they were doing and have their weapons. And <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. Um, Lex uh, uh, throwing knives. Um, I, I literally have this on almost all my characters. It's my go-to when something else doesn't work against a Borg. <laughs> really? I, I haven't used them at all. They're short range. You've got to be up close, but they can do some devastating damage. See, if I'm struggling with the Borg, I'll just, call I'll just pull my Tommy gun out. Oh, yeah. No, you've got options now. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gotta have a top. I just I need me white tux. I need, I need Picard's white tux from the Hollow program. Do you have a top hat as well, Colin? Well, after season 14 and Victory of Life, uh, we had The Age of Discovery, which came out in October on the PC and came out in November a month after on console. Personally, with Age of Discovery, this was actually the point where I actually installed Stowe onto my Xbox. I think I did it around about uh, New Year. It was around about when Discovery obviously, was on the Netflix over here in the UK. So I thought, oh, they've actually updated it all. And then I, I read into the previous sort and I thought, give it a go on console. And yeah, I've just been playing it casually since then and trying to get through everything again. This was definitely the season I think everyone wanted the Discovery. I have the Discovery. <laughs> Most definitely. Uh, was it lockbox only? Initially, it was a lockbox only ship. Yeah. I think I bought it. Yeah, I think it's in the uh, Lobby store at the moment uh, with some of the other previous ships. Oh, I'll have to have a look later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like these. I also like, like the, they really did the characters well. Um, the animations, I mean, obviously the characters were divorced by the actual people, but I'm on about the animation. They really did them well in this. Yeah, it's like, that's one of the things when I noticed when I started to play again on the console, was like, they've updated models, visuals, like animation, more voiceover work that we've uh, talked about previously. I'm like, this has gone a long way since PC when I played it years ago. Yeah, and this is also when TFO became a thing. Yeah, exactly. It was up till then it wasn't, so this is when that happened. They also, um, they, they, they altered the entire uh, PVE t uh, TFO setup and added the random queue uh, for additional uh, bonus marks. And uh, at first it was a little difficult to navigate, but it's now become my go-to. I will do, on any character that I'm playing, I'll do a couple of random TFOs just to pick up extra marks into lithium. Yeah, and oddly enough, this was when the TFO mission Defense of Starbase 1 was introduced into the game. Yep. That's a good mission. It is a good mission, yeah. I've, I've played it on my uh, Age of Discovery characters, the first one that I saw. I was like, this is great, and I actually still do it every now and again to try and, I'm trying to do the uh, Discovery reputation system. Yeah, it's a good one for that because it, it doesn't take too long. It takes like just over 20 minutes. So it doesn't take too long. Well, I say roughly 20 minutes. 
And also, everyone, because it's been on for so long now, you tend to find that people split into two teams and one covers one half of the star base and the other covers the other half of the star base. Because everyone knows where the, the ships are going to launch from. Nobody wants to be on my team. That's because you keep blowing up. <laughs> yeah, I'll stay away from the uh, the area. <laughs> we also had some removed missions. Yeah, there was... So hide and seek, stop the signal, the Kuvamar, treasure trading station, task force, Hippocrates, the ultimate Klingon, city on the edge of never, and past perfect were all removed. Yeah, yeah, they were doing a lot of streamlining with the uh, the season uh, at this point to basically polish and some up the arcs and change some of the side contents. So they've updated a lot of missions. Yeah, and they sort of like they proved a lot of sort of like the experience for like new players because a lot more console players were coming on because of uh, the whole discovery stuff. They just, like, overhauled it completely. Because I was like, I remember a mission, but I can't find that mission. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a lot better now. It's a lot less weighty. Um, I mean, even if you roll a new tune, it's a lot less weighty and it's a lot less to play through. So, it, it you know, it was a really good, let's clean out the storeroom type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, one thing I really... Uh, enjoyed was with the Age of Discovery, you could start off as like a Discovery uh, in the timeline, you get pushed forward to uh, the current set. So it was like a really nice uh, start off point to do all the tutorial and stuff in the past. And then you get pushed through by a temporal agent all the way to the present day. Yeah. In addition, um, they extended reputations from tier five to tier six. So all levels got an additional number of uh, opportunities, extensions. You're able now to get fleet modules, etc., from your individual reputation. Yeah, and we got a nice reward in this one. We got the the power, the we got the Tapau class scout ship, which was a little Vulcan scout ship, which I've never seen anyone using. It's just so tiny. I think that's why, because like, we just can't see it. Probably have to get a magnifying glass to actually try and find it, because I've never seen it. And the interesting thing about the Age of Discovery is I think it's when they did less like season arcs and did more like part one, part two, and part three for their content releases to kind of like, I guess, divide up the content. So part two of the Age of Discovery was the Mirror of Discovery. And they had some interesting things there that they updated the personal endeavor system to allow account-wide unlocking and stat bonuses for completing daily challenges. But they also released three new uh, task force operations during this time as well. Yeah, the other good ship to come out of this is the Gagari, which has got a nice console on it. Interesting thing about that is with their, their recent Twitch 20th anniversary, I won the Gagarin. <laughs> Congrats. I wonder if they'll actually send it to me because I was like, I, I thought I heard them saying something about if you you have to be in the United States for the physical prizes. So I don't think I'll get the Golgarin. Yeah, you do. It tends to be, unfortunately, be, even though it's a global game, when, when they do a lot of the promotion, it is USA only. So the rest of us lose out. But if you know someone in the States that can get it, they can ship it over to you. True. Actually, I didn't think of that right now. Yeah, it's done. Half my fleet is American. And why did nothing get that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, only thing was sort of like the uh, releases uh, with Age of Discovery. Like I had to wait like three months for part two. Oh, on the console? Yep. 
it released a, it was out in January on PC and it was like uh 5th of March here for consoles. But you got Killy eventually. Oh yeah, eventually. Uh but yeah, we're, at the moment we're a month a few months behind. Well, I got a, I got a like one of my favorite characters in in this is is Mirror Universe Tilla. She's just brilliant. Oh yeah. I just love the way she was there and she did Oh. I think I've, I thought a lot of people I, I, there's a lot I can say about Mary Universe Tilly. Yeah, and <laughs> like, it's just the very last word you hear from Tilly, assholes. And she, <laughs> she <laughs> says, I love it. That is, uh, the Parallel of Power and uh, the missions, they are really good missions. I do enjoy them. So this this was a really good drop. And we got some nice goodies out of it, some nice ships. And, and we got Mary Universe Tilly. What's not to like about that? Exactly. And it made me come back to the actual game even though uh, it's on a different platform it's still like essentially the same game and then they released part three rise of discovery uh they released it actually close to my birthday and that was the part that i enjoyed the most <laughs> i like when content's released like that and they it was an interesting little update they uh added like new episodes like the plausibility of possible and the impossibility of reason. And I actually enjoyed those missions a lot. And they had Lorca. Yeah, the addition of uh, Lorca was a, a nice way to finish off Discovery like segments in this season. Exactly. And they obviously added the Legends reputation system at this point, And it was available for all factions. It was, it was like a, an interesting little release. Like a little bit of content there. Episodes and level 6 uh, scaling on all ships. It's not on all ships, on, on the ships became available. But apart from that, I think that's probably where we're going to... Uh, the only other important thing to kind of add to this was just before this release is when they actually sunset the foundry. They sunset the foundry on April the 11th of 2019. And definitely that's something that we can discuss more in episode three. And because I have a lot of personal opinions and about that. As do we all. Well, I think that's where we'll end it here. Thanks for listening to our ramblings about the game. Uh, Next episode, we will continue on. We'll talk about the Foundry, and we will continue on from about Season 18 onwards, which gets us almost in closely to the new content that's being released. Now, if you want to follow us on our social media, you can. I'm Stowe Admiral Aaron. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Stowe Admiral Aaron. You can follow me at Loot Critter on Twitter, or if you feel nostalgic, you can read my archived reviews on LootCritter.com. And you can follow me on Twitch, which is uh, TomBud2378. Steve's actually fell through a black hole, so we can't tell you what it is, but it's Midnight Shadow. So if you, want to, if you put Midnight Shadow into a search bar on um, most social media. There's seven on the end as well, isn't it? Yeah, Midnight Shadow 7, so you, that's where Steve is. I'm sure he'll come back from the black hole one day and, and tell you where he is. You can find me on Twitter at C-O-L-M-H-0-1. Well, thanks for listening. I see we made it through without exploding and anybody running to an airlock. We'll speak with you soon, and oh, hit that subscribe button, or we'll be forced to serve a tour aboard my ship. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Insert evil laugh here. Biohazard suits included.
Captain's log. I have informed the staff we have departed from Starbase One. This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer. List other available Hollow Sweet Media programs. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview Program for Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. And she starts swinging it in a ridiculously reckless way. That is so over the top that I was laughing out loud. It was putting a smile on my face. I know you were laughing. I really when you first related saw it. to that moment. <laughs> you know I get over the top. It was. Uh, I just think it gives a good idea at her, and the way they cut around it, it's so close in her face. You're like, oh my god, she's crazy. And then we get the moment where she just slices it into his leg, and it's very graphic. Oh, it's re- detail. You see the muscle, like the different muscles torn. You can like see the, ligaments. The, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah, I think you see bone as well. Loading Hollow Sweet preview program for the Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. The orangey skin makes me think of something else. Makes you think nowadays. of Donald Trump. <laughs> And, it, and bad hair. Oh my God! He's Kazan. Donald Trump is Kazan. Trump is a Kazan. Oh my God! I'm surprised he's not calling himself Mad Trump. <laughs> because he's not very bright either. No, it fits perfectly. I understand it all now. We've we've just been taken over by the Kazan. And we didn't even realize it. No. Oh my God, <laughs> listeners, we've just solved the mystery of the last four years in the United States. Loading Hollow Sweet preview program for. There are four questions, a Star Trek Spotlight podcast. I always thought I was special that I knew that the theme came from the end of of the original motion picture. Like, I thought nobody knew that but me. (laughs) And of course, that was dumb to think. But that was, and that was the thing that, that always really sort of stuck with me. So in getting to, in getting to work on Discovery, it was, you know, really, really an amazing experience for me and an amazing thought to be able to start working in this world of this kind of narrative. But when, when I talked to Alex about doing um, Picard, it was on a whole nother level of, of connection for me. Computer, deactivate Holosuite. 